0: Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay listeners, thank you so much for joining me today. My guest today is going to tell us um, a story about some of the things that she has overcome in her life. Um, So guest if you would introduce yourself and just tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Hello everybody, my name is Lauren Petrullo. I am coming to you from Orlando, Florida, the exact opposite side of the U.S. right now and um, I am Uh, Really fortunate that I have become a business owner and founder of several brands. I own a marketing agency, several e-commerce brands, and I am currently married to the love of my life, and we're celebrating 10 years of marriage uh, this Friday. Um, And so I am born and raised in the city of Chicago and here to share some of the most important moments of my life that helped me become who I am today, which is really just a happy individual.
0: Great. Thank you. And congratulations on that anniversary. I always love to hear those stories, especially when you use the term love of my life. That's, that's, yeah, that makes me smile. So, Mm. so tell us a bit about some of the things that happened when you were younger. So in your childhood that have kind of shaped where you are now.
1: Um, I grew up in the city of Chicago from a loving household. Uh, My mother and father got married when I was three years old. They fell in love on the first date. My mom, of course, shared that she went home with him and three months later was pregnant. I was like, okay, that was a whirlwind of a romance. Um, My father had three kids from his first marriage. My mother had a son from an ex-boyfriend. When I was two years old, uh, my mother had adopted my younger brother straight from the hospital. She had found out like five hours before that he was born and her brother, my uncle had said, I can't take care of this child, can grandma? And he said, no, but me and Jim can, my father, and so I grew up in a household where uh, it didn't matter who you were, what you looked like, what your last name was, you were always loved if you came into the door. So I preface this of, um, I felt connected to a family where I was supported to the point of trust in the sense of I grew up where um, it was never a matter of no, like no was not a common word in our household. It was a, always reframe it to how, how can you make that happen? You want this Barbie? Great no, like not, no, you can't have it. I'm not giving you the money, but how can you make that possible? Um, so in this ever evolving, uh, trust life situation, um, I was able to make a lot of decisions and command control of where I wanted to be in many cases. And it was, uh, when I was 12, uh, one decision I had no control over that I was unprepared for was, uh, the decision for my dad to no longer be on earth um i was the one who found him he had a heart attack in his sleep he was 62 years old and uh he was a stay at home father my mother was the working person the breadwinner and then one day he just no longer existed and it was an unfortunate loss anyone to lose a parent is hard i lost a parent who really loved us who really believed in us who was the supporting role in my mother's life. But then also there was the loss of how that changed every other family dynamic. He held his side of the family together. I had three older brothers. They're 30 years older than me. And all the cousins were older and the nieces and nephews. He brought all of that glue to our nucleus in Chicago. I lost my mother's emotional capacity because she lost her partner in life. Both of the brothers I grew up around had their other father's that they were able to step into so when I was 12 in the midst of very terrible hormone phases I had lost like the floor had been ripped out for me and where I lived in a world of trust you can do anything as a matter of how I didn't know how to move forward because it was just hello world it's just you
0: yeah so how did things change for you from that point on? You said dad was the one that stayed home and mom was working. Did that dynamic change or did you move? I mean, how, how did that things move, move forward from there? We
1: stayed in our house. Um, my father was a retired veteran, so he was a disabled individual. Um, and there was some stipend that he received from the government because he had become disabled from fighting in Vietnam. Um, but there was like a two week after his funeral conversation of, okay, All of our expenses need to cut, be cut. Like we didn't have life insurance for him. There's all these things that are now um, at the forefront of conversation. So I had to grow up really quickly and realize that like, you know, figure skating or like family vacations were a thing of the past. Um, If we wanted to celebrate Christmas, uh, it's going to be a DIY kind of Christmas situation. So I was like, great, I can babysit. I can still get my brother's gifts. I can do my best so that it doesn't feel like there's such a loss. Um, but it was the shift in what our responsibilities were, how we connected as a family. My dad was a stay-at-home father, so he made all the food. We no longer had meals together at the table. We no longer had discourse of what was happening in the classroom. Uh, I was invited to challenge my teachers a lot at the encouragement of both my mother and father and then it was when we're not having those conversations of hey what did you learn how do you feel about that what do you think is the other side of that story you're learning about this war well how was the war from that perspective um I was no longer challenged in that capacity uh so it was this almost like two years I think where I just like mellowed through life of just existing um which at the end of it like or no, maybe three, four years. Cause I was like, I need a car. I need to get outside of this house. I need to understand what else is possible because I knew this life that I had when he was around. And then this mellow, I'm not interested in just existing life came to be. And when I had a car, I was able to, or a driver's license, I was able to venture out of the house and make my own decisions and start to dictate what I wanted my life to be versus what it was going to be because no one else was going to figure it out for me.
0: Yeah. So how did your relationship with your mother change? I mean, you mentioned the, the no more discourse about school at the table, which just seems like a huge loss. Um and as a teacher myself, I <laughs> I can really relate to how valuable that is. Um but yeah. how did things change with your your mom at that time or did they um after that? Oh
1: tremendously. Um I went from my mom being the confidant and uh the person I idolized because she was this like working mom, she was a social worker, she's been in really bad situations. Um, And she would share honestly and transparently what was going on um, to, I recognize now I didn't understand how much of a loss she had, uh, but she had found another partner and a year later had moved in with us. And that shift in dynamic was this like replacement of a father figure with a guy who was very involved with the church, had uh, different viewpoints then I grew up understanding um, where there are specific roles within the household. And we grew up in a very uh, non-traditional household in the sense that like my father was a stay-at-home father, uh, collaborative nature in everything and everywhere possible. Natural consequences was a way that we learned, okay, if you're going to stick your finger in that socket, you're going to see what's going to happen. So you're not going to do it again. Um, To a stricter environment, this is how you must do. And I heard no so much that I was like, what? I don't understand. Like, I really didn't understand this word. And so um, my relationship with uh, that gentleman wasn't great. Uh, I didn't set it up for success because I was still grieving. I said, who are you? This is my dad's house. Why are you here? Um, But then also my mom was in this battle of finding a partner to help her cope with loss of her husband and then managing now three teenagers who have their own unique sets and she became a single mom and that's not necessarily what she signed up for. So we had a very strained relationship so much so that, uh, three days after I had turned 18, I was still in high school, um, had another semester left of, of class. It was during winter break. I was, uh, told that my uh, place at home was no longer one that I was welcomed back in and, uh, was given a bag and said to leave. And, uh, I moved into a friend's basement i fortunately i had a car like i recognize the publishers that i had like i had a car so i had a place to keep my stuff i had a place to sleep um, but it was winter it was like january in chicago so a friend let me stay in her basement and uh made my way through the last half of my senior year of high school where her and i like we didn't talk she didn't come to my high school graduation she didn't even know when my high school graduation was going to be versus if you had looked at where i was five years prior she showed up to every game she could have, and if she wasn't there, my dad was there. So it was a very inclusive environment. And then being a okay, this is a very different dynamic.
0: So it's like you lost your dad, and then you lost your mom shortly thereafter. It's really. Mm-hmm. Good to hear them.
1: I think now I understand that she lost herself too, because again, being a teen, uh, sorry, a mother of three teenagers, like my older brother Brendan, her firstborn was twenty-one. I count him as a teenager because boy, was he doing hooligan stuff. And like, it's hard, that's that's really hard. And she didn't have any support system, financial assistance had gone away, the lack of planning that had been set up, like she had expected there to be better planning, um, but there wasn't. So there was this new inheritance of just, it was just so much newness that her default is head in the sand. And, you know, she was she was a person. I didn't see that and understand that at the time, I thought she was only my mom. So, yeah, it was it was it was a loss of my father, a loss of my mother, a, a complete disconnect from all the other side of my father's family, where he was the the crux of that relationship.
0: Yeah. So. As a mom myself, I have uh, adult children. Um, I can tell you that we, meaning all moms, we don't want to share that kind of stuff with our kids. We want to just be your mom. We just want you to be able to count on us and rely on us. And and yeah. well, when I've gone through some really ugly times in my kids' lives, I they were the last people I will share that with. Last people, because I'm like, nope you're you're my kid. You don't need to worry about money, you don't need to worry about mm-hmm. anything. Just about, you know, I'm handling this, I'm the adult. So I'll give her that bit of grace. Um just absolutely. She completely- deserves yeah. it. She yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it, especially when it's, un, you know, when it's just, it's totally unexpected and and not, you know, not um, planned and provided for with insurance and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, so you started college and I know you got into doing um, some sports in college. So tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I retreated into sports. I, it was really, I was good at sports and then it got to be, well, okay. I feel accepted in sports. Um, people are reliant on me. I have coaches that are very, very much present in my life where I had other parental figures were, were absent. Um, Sports was like my, my refuge. And um, I was able to get recruited and play division one soccer, which was like the highest level you could play before going pro. Um, I found so much like love and like acceptance and And public glory like I, I I liked the attention. It was me in the newspaper. It's me getting interviewed on TV shows because of the success I had had with soccer and so I found this university uh, where I was playing soccer at and was like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna go pro like I, my dad played basketball I mean he was six eight and a half okay so he he played basketball over in Europe um, and uh, I was like yeah no I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be a professional soccer player. I have friends that played professional soccer. Both men and women. Oh, I'm I'm totally ready. This is my dream. Um, I applied to one university, the one that recruited me for soccer. It's like, great, I don't have to do any other applications. That because I, I, I was by myself, right? Like I didn't navigate the, the college application process very well. I mean, my school had resources, but I was like applying for legal homelessness because I had to get lunch. Like I didn't have lunch money and I was working three jobs while also playing soccer. Um, and so yeah, I, I played soccer. Uh, loved it. Uh, <clears throat> made some poor decisions, and went to a party where I, uh, instead of uh, coming home safely, I spent the night in a drunk tank. That was that was silly, but it um it had severe consequences. Right, like you think you're invincible. Okay, I got recruited, you know, all the benefits that came with playing college sports at that level, you you feel this sense of like superhero-ness, like, oh, I can't do wrong. And then I uh, found myself <clears throat> doing a very wrong, uh, being intoxicated, spending the night in the drunk take, and then finding myself the next week no longer a part of the soccer team.
0: I was like, oh no! Thinking back to your your comments about you know when your dad was still alive and the whole um family dynamic of you know consequences, learning consequences. Yeah. And that that's came up my mind as soon as you told that story about. that ah. uh, that's something you you got back then, but of course doesn't doesn't stick with you all the time. And we all make mistakes and stupid. Yeah. Mistakes sometimes. Well, back the
1: then. shift was with this uh stepfather figure and this like learn no and this rigid. Well, this is what you have to do. This is a prescription. Like, there's no more of. Um, exploration I think I'd like forgotten about
0: it yeah more of a right and wrong rather than you know the exploration of being able to kind of learn your way through mm-hmm. making those mistakes which is really as a parent hard to do as well um, yeah. so you get through that I'm assuming you finished college so how did you get through um, some of those you know disappointments I guess is a help raise I'm going to mm-hmm mom and the and the soccer and so on to where you are today. I mean you're a young person and you're you're you know with all these success, successes. How how did you do that?
1: Uh, well um the you know 19 year old me who thought like soccer was her dream and then was like okay well I've already lost my dad once like now I've lost this dream. Like I gotta figure something out. Um how I ended up getting to where I'm at. Yeah I finished college. I ended up moving to LA because it just it was really a difficult relationship I thought okay, if I'm by myself, I don't have the influence. I don't have like the stuff I'm getting sucked into. And I found great success of, if I can, uh, put myself in a space where I can really focus and set these parameters of what I want in life, like almost not like a genie and I'm like rubbing a magic lamp, but I'm just like dictating what are the rules? Like, what would that conversation look like? If I was 10 years old, this is what I want. It's not a matter of no I don't want to be homeless. It's like not a matter of no, like I don't want to be broken walking, you know, five miles to work because I can't afford the bus. It was just like, Hey, if you want this, how are you going to make it happen? So it had this like reconnecting back into like who I was, who I would have been um, giving grace to those in my life who also struggled. Like, you know, they're the main characters of their story. I had to remember that. Um, and so then I like, I put myself in these positions. I said, okay, great. How am I going to do this? I, I like asked for help. Really? I just like, I started asking teachers, like, what are the opportunities? Okay. The, Disney, sorry, the, the soccer dream fell through, but what else makes me really happy and start from there? Because I remember when I was five and again, that Barbie story, my dad said, great, you can absolutely have the Barbie, but how are you going to pay for it? And he asked me, what makes you happy? Let's see if there's a way that you can make money off of that. And at the time it was drawing. So I drew stuff and then I went door to door and sold pictures for like five cents, telling people like, Hey, want to adopt a kid? Your refrigerator looks really empty. Would you like to buy some of these designs? And then I was able to get the money to buy the Barbie. Um, so I just, I literally went back to basics and uh, wrote how I was going to make this happen. Put some like momentous uh, points on like this to-do list of my life. Like one, get out of debt, like don't have credit card debt because you know, I was 18 and I didn't have food money because I wasn't living at home. And uh, so it was like, okay, check one, get this in order to get out of debt, get a car, um, get a job. The job needs to make X amount. So I like, I built this plan and uh, was really, really insistent about it, like obsessive about it.
0: That is incredibly immature of you at that age. I mean, I know people in their thirties that don't have that concept down. So that's, that's very impressive. Oh. <laughs> have that that in you and I I I keep thinking back to what you've told me about, you know, your dad and all that. And the Barbie story, obviously that it was stem, mm. which is really a great skill that he gave you. Um and mm. I, I'm thinking you're probably quite thankful for that as well. So tell me what is it you're doing today? What kind of stuff are you involved in? What are your businesses about? What's going on? Mm. Well,
1: um Today, I mean, I have a marketing agency, Mongoose Media, and uh, we've gotten some like pretty recognizable clients. We've helped a lot of companies like find success in the marketing space. And I think a lot of that is just that going back to, I mean, so much comes from childhood, right? Of like conversations around the table of, does that make sense? I always had to explain everything like a third grader because I was a third grader and my parents weren't studying like frog anatomy or like, division stuff. So I had to explain to those pieces. And, um, so we, we look at a lot of marketing campaigns and be like, can a third grader get this? No, that's why no one's buying. It's too complicated. Um, and then I have a few e-commerce brands. Like one is, uh, this brand called Asian beauty essentials. Um, fun fact, uh, Vietnamese was actually one of my first languages. My dad fought in Vietnam Who's stay at home. Dad. So he spoke to me in Viet. And, uh, now I sell Asian beauty products. (laughs) Um, to individuals around the US. Uh, and then I have like a, a swimwear brand for babies. Um, and like right now, right, right now and today, um I will give credit to like, not only did I have like great conversations, I did have really good leaders. Like my father, he advocated for disabled rights of veterans in Illinois. Like he helped so like hundreds and hundreds of families get access to medical and benefits that they were without because they were disabled vets from Vietnam and had no resources. My mom, her and a few of her friends made it legal for women to wear pants in Illinois, right? So like, you know, she was born 1944, my father, 1940. It seems incredulous to think that it was illegal for women to wear pants, but she was like being threatened to like not have her job. She had to stay at home unpaid. Like she helped change the law. So today, 2023, Lauren, um, who's always felt like I've not yet lived up to what they were able to achieve with their limited resources. Is uh, working with some legislators to help uh, small businesses aptly accommodate uh, um, disabled Americans to having access to their various websites. So and I'm trying to make my mom and dad a proud. <laughs> I
0: love that. I, I had a uh, disabled son. My son that passed away was disabled, and mm-hmm. during his life, uh, and and since then, I have become quite the advocate for. Uh, accessibility and so on and um, one of my yeah. early stories was when my son was about two I took him to the local mall for pictures with Santa and the Santa stage was there were several steps to get up to Santa's stage and no ramp so oh, uh, no. Thought, oh, how am I supposed to get my son up there you know lift this wheelchair this you know so Santa came down and had his picture mm. taken with us you know down below and the, the staff was all like oh, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I said, Well, you know, you don't make it very accessible for kids that can't walk up those steps. Um, and the very next year we went back to the same the same mall and Santa had a ramp. So, so those ah. kinds of things just make you go, oh, thank God. Some you know, somebody else came along and was able to wheel their kid up that ramp and not thinking about it. Yeah. Anything. Or the parents, my yeah, dad was yeah, in a wheelchair. Exactly. He yeah. it's like, you know, if not for that, you know, you just you just paved the way for for other people. So it's a, a thing I'm quite passionate about as well. So I'm I'm loving that you're doing that. So Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, Before we go, you've had some great things to share. So anything else you want to add?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, Asianbeautyessentials.com is the e-commerce store. So if someone is uh, listening to this podcast and maybe they're reconnecting with their parent, I will say that when I lost my dream of being an athlete, pro athlete, uh, and had to make the call to my mom because I was in jail and needed bail money, it did start that conversation so uh we're at a place where now she comes to visit me in florida every year um which was something i would never have believed uh it is really nice to relax and we have a 20 percent discount if you want to use good grief and you can get lots of face masks because it's it's really for me it's part of my routine of when i have a stressful day like i'll put on a face mask and like binge watch a show on netflix
0: yes yes well we're going to definitely get the link to your website when we post this um this podcast so that people can find you and your website and your products and so on. But um having just gotten over or kind of the ends of giving this cold, I think I should be wearing a mask more often myself. So <laughs> there you go. all right. Well Lauren thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of my book, The Day I Became the Spider Killer. A Memoir of Trauma, Tragedy, and Survival, available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online book retailers.